The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hello, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. On today's show, I'll be joined by one of the world's most famous copywriters, Bob Bly. Go to bly.com to find out more. Bob, thank you very much for being with me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bob, how did you become a copywriter? Well, it wasn't intentional. It was uh, of most people in my generation who became a copywriter. It was accidental. No one really planned. And uh, again, I... uh, came up uh, into the corporate world in the late 70s, no one really said, I want to be a copywriter. Most of us, it just happened. So in my case, I had uh, gone to college and gotten a degree in chemical engineering. And when I was a senior in college, various companies would come on campus to recruit engineering majors. One of them had a couple of positions that were writing related. And they said, gee, these are technical writing positions. We'd really like to have someone with a technical background. So I took one of these positions and didn't realize what it basically was, was copywriting for Mm -hmm. uh, electronic products. And that's how I got into it. Okay. And you've had a long career since then, and you've written quite a few books in your time as well. Do you mind giving us a quick overview of some of the books that you've written? Right. Well, I can't go through the list because I've written 80 books. Wow. To, To this discussion, I think the one that is most relevant is a book I wrote in 1985 and that is uh, still in print today called The Copywriter's Handbook, which is a guide to writing copy, uh, writing advertising copy. So just to give everyone a bit of background information on this, Bob, the questions which I'm going to ask you today are based on that book. It's a fantastic book. I've read it cover to cover about six or seven years ago. It was one of the first books that I was recommended that I needed to read if I was going to be selling things online. That's where the inspiration for the questions are coming from today. So to begin with, at the beginning of the book, you say that you have to write to get attention. And you say that there are four functions of a headline. Could you just let us know what those four functions are? Right. Well, one of them, which you already said, is to get attention. You have to stop the reader in her tracks and get her to read your email or your landing page or your magazine ad. And so the first function is to get attention. Related to that, you want to draw the reader into the body copy because for most of us, the selling happens in the body copy, especially if you're selling uh, information products on the Internet or nutritional supplements or any type of product that requires long copy. So you have to use the headline to get people to start reading the body copy. Mm-hmm. The third uh, type function of the headline, which it takes place more in uh, consumer advertising, uh, Madison Avenue type advertising rather than Internet or direct response advertising, is that some headlines will deliver a complete selling message. I remember seeing one in a magazine that says, uh, caught soon enough, early tooth decay can be prevented by Crest toothpaste. So that's a complete Mm -hmm. selling message. You don't have to read the body copy to know what the benefit of the product is or why you should want to buy it. And Mm -hmm. the fourth, which is uh, often ignored, is that the copy uh, and the headline particularly select the audience, determine who's going to read your ad. 
for example, uh, I saw an ad that said, attention, uh, pregnant women, and it was selling maternity dresses. So uh, obviously the headline there was just to select the audience and had no benefit in it, but would get you your attention if you were a, uh, a pregnant woman. Sure. And you can actually do that, Bob. You can literally just say who your audience is in some cases. And sometimes you are a little bit more subtle than that. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you say uh, more subtle than that. Uh, but, you know, a lot of times it helps to identify it directly. I saw an insurance ad in the newspaper and the headline was something like an important message for chartered life policy holders age 50 and older. And that's really specific. And mm-hmm. therefore, if you're a chartered life policyholder and you're 50 and older, you're likely to read that headline. In the book, you also talk about the eight basic types of headlines. Could you maybe just go through a couple of your favorites there and let us know why you think they're so good? Well, I like, uh, if, if I were to pick a couple of favorites, uh, I like uh, question headlines. And mm-hmm. some people don't like them, but I find, I find that question headlines uh, work. One of the famous one is, famous ones is pre-internet is the guy was selling a course on mail order that had to do mail order using small ads. And of course, he promoted the course with a small ad. And the headline was, do you read small ads like this one? <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, if, if you do that, it, it, it's a demonstration that uh, small ads work. Uh, another mm-hmm. technique I like very much, it, it's, it's not sophisticated, very straightforward, but it works, is the reason why technique. Seven reasons or seven reasons why blank or seven reasons to blank where you just list the benefits is a num- you know, in, as a number, you put the benefits down as a numbered list in order. And it's very, mm-hmm. again, straightforward, but it's effective. Yeah, sure, because you know what you're going to get. And if you read on, you know what's coming next. And assuming that they're interested, they're going to carry on reading. I did an ad for a, a, a strobe light. Strobe lighting mm-hmm. is used in the production of movies and TV commercials. And this one, uh, the headline was, Seven Reasons why Unilux strobe lights are preferred by production houses and ad agencies nationwide. Very simple, not sophisticated, very effective ad. One of my favorites, Bob, is the how-to headline. Can you explain a little bit why the how-to headline works so well? There's two reasons. One, everybody wants to know how to do something. And two, it, makes the, it creates the sense or the illusion or the feeling with a perception that the ad, this is not a selling ad, this is an ad where I will learn something. Uh, mm-hmm. A famous example of this is that uh, Duncan Hines, that makes cake mixes, advertised their chocolate cake mix in one of the women's magazines, the Ladies Home Journal. And I remember their ad was, had the headline, how to, how to bake richer, moister chocolate cake. And you get the feeling that you were going to be given a recipe or some baking mm-hmm. tips. And, of course, the answer to it was use their cake mix. But yep. it still had that, it drew you in uh, because of it had that how-to flavor. The classic one of all time, perhaps, is for the Dale Carnegie course on uh, getting along with people called How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was also the title of the book they were selling. And still sells very well today. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay, my next question was, you mentioned in the book the four U's for writing an effective headline. So can you tell us what they are, please? Right. These are the characteristics that effective headlines almost always have. 
and there's mm-hmm. four of them, and they all begin with you. The first one is urgent, which is the factor or the you that is most often missing from headlines that I see. Urgent means there is a sense of timeliness or urgency in the headline. For example, if you say have a subject line where you're offering a free white paper, you might have free white paper, colon, today only. That creates an immediate sense of urgency. A deadline date for an offer creates a sense of urgency. And there's other ways to do it. And the reason you need a sense or should have a sense of urgency is that we know that we will sell more if we can get the prospect to buy now instead of later because an action deferred is most often an action not taken. Yes. The second you is unique, which simply means we have not heard it before. They may be saying something we have heard before, but at least we're saying it in a unique way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third you is ultra-specific, and Claude Hopkins, who wrote the famous book uh, Scientific Advertising, said that words to the effect, I'm quoting, but uh, maybe not exactly, he said, specifics sell. Superlatives and generalities roll off the human understanding like water off a duck's back. So a great example of a unique and ultra-specific headline is the one that Boardroom used on its direct mail uh, package for many years, which was, what never to eat on an airplane. You haven't heard that before, and it is very specific versus seven bad foods you shouldn't eat, which is okay, or seven unhealthy foods you shouldn't eat, which is okay, but you kind of heard that before already. And the fourth you is useful, which means there's a specific benefit or an implied benefit in reading the copy. And the most obvious one is what we talked about earlier, how to win friends and influence people. There's two benefits in there that we, we want, so the headline is useful. And no headline is going to rate equally high in all of the four U's. But if you rate them on a scale of one to four, with four being very strong in the U and one being very weak, your headline should probably rate a three or four in at least three of these categories. If it does not, you probably want to go back and rewrite the headline until it does. You also talk in the book about writing to communicate. So do you have any tips that will help us communicate with the person who's reading? Well, there are a a lot of them that, that exist and people give uh, whole-day and two-day seminars on this. I do, actually, for corporate clients. I give uh, writing seminars where uh, the focus is uh, helping us communicate. But if I was to name a couple of the most powerful techniques, one is to envision or picture your target audience. Who are you writing to? Uh, Don't just write copy about a product, but who are you speaking to? And a lot of writers ignore this. There's a guy uh, named Sam Sinclair Baker who was a very successful how-to writer, not a copywriter, but a how-to writer, and his books were mega bestsellers on how-to topics. And what he said is that he would go through magazines, find pictures of people he thought looked like his target prospects, you know, whether it was, was overweight people or women over 45 or kids, and he would clip, cut them out with a scissor and tape them around the edges of his computer monitor. So when he looked at the monitor, he was always seeing his prospect and therefore was always talking to them rather than talk right to a general audience. He was talking to a specific audience. 
And then uh, a very simple tip, which, uh, you know, is, is easy to do, is to use simple words. You know, don't say, u- don't say utilize when you can say use just as well. Mark, Tra- Mark Twain, the author, said, I never write metropolis when I get paid the same amount to write the word city. Absolutely. Is that just down to the people reading it? They just prefer to use those kind of simple words? It's just easier. You want to make it easy to read, and easy to read, short, simple words, short sentences, short paragraphs, features and key points in numbered lists or bullets. All of those things make writing easier to scan and easier to read. Add into that list uh, you know, subheads that divide the text into sections. That also makes it easier to read. And those are some of the techniques we teach. How about some techniques when writing to sell something? What can we do to improve that? The best one, as, and a lot of non-copywriters do not know this, is that there is a formula for writing copy that sells. And it's a sequence, which means you, you put the content of your document in a specific order. And it goes by many names, and there are many different copywriting formulas. For example, there's one that you've probably heard, the AIDA formula, which stands Mm -hmm. for attention, interest, desire, and action. But I like one called the motivating sequence, which has five steps. Would you mind if I went through them? Oh, absolutely. Please do. So the first step, as you had said earlier with headlines, is to get attention. Number one, you have to get attention. Stop the reader and get them to read your document or screen. Number two is... You have to state the problem or the, or the need that your product addresses or solves. Because if they're not thinking of the problem that they have, they're not going to be very open or receptive to reading about the product. So, mm-hmm. it, it, so example, if, if you have a lawn product, you, know, you, could, have a, you could have a lead uh, under the headline that says, sick and tired of a lawn full of weeds and crabgrass. That's the problem that they have. Next step, after you state the problem, is you introduce your product as the solution to that problem. New evergreen weed killer will will kill dandelions and weeds dead and keep your lawn looking green and lush. So you uh, you position your product as the solution. The fifth step, and I'll get back to the fourth step in a minute, the fifth step is the call to action. So come to the gardening store. You can pick up the phone and order, call this toll-free number to order our product or request our free catalog. Go to www.xyz.com forward slash gardening to, down, to place an order for our product online. So you have the, the action. Now, if, if we've stated the, 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 that the product is the solution and we ask for action, so why do we need another step? Well, step four is proof. Just because you say the product solves the problem the problem is the reader doesn't necessarily believe you. In fact, they're more likely not to believe you because people are skeptical. So step mm-hmm. four is you have to bring in to bear proof to, to convince people that what you say about your product is true. And that's why so much copy, you know, people talk about why does copy have to be long. And that's why so much copy today, especially on the Internet, especially selling, uh, again, nutritional supplements, information products, beauty and health products, weight loss products, so much is long because you have to introduce a lot of proof to convince people to order. And so it's a motivating sequence is get attention, state the problem, introduce your product as a solution, prove or, you know, or convince me 
that that product is the best solution. And then five, ask for action or ask for the order. Bob, what about features and benefits? What is the difference between those two things and which should we really be using in copy? The best explanation I've, I heard uh, from about features and benefits is from a sales trainer in the UK named Andrew Owen. And he said a feature is what the product is or has. A benefit is what the feature does for the buyer or the consumer. So a watering can for the garden, therefore, it has a spout or, or a lip or whatever, whatever you call that. And that, you know, that's what it is. But the benefit is that it allows you to deliver just the right amount of water to your, to your plants and vegetables and flowers without, without uh, overwatering. So that's mm-hmm. the benefit. Uh, in terms of which do you use, uh, a common misconception is that use features, benefits are bad, and that's not true. The answer is that you want to use features and benefits. You state the feature that provides the benefit and then give the benefit. Why would you do that? Because it makes the, the benefit more credible. It'll, you know, people say, oh, yes, it has, you know, it has a uh, rack and pinion steering. So, of course, it's easier to ha- the car is easier to handle. So the answer is you're using both features and benefits in your copy. How do we make our copy more interesting? Well, there are a number of techniques. One of them that I think is underused is, is to put numbers in it. I remember Eugene Schwartz uh, had a, an ad that he did for uh, some company that sold uh, bulbs, you know, a garden supply company, and they sell bulbs and uh, seedlings and, and, and plants. And the headline was 7,000 roses from a single bush, meaning it would bloom over and over and it would grow and you could replant it. And numbers get great attention. So that's, that's one way to make copywriting interesting. We talked about that specific cell. Specifics engage the attention. And the other thing is we talked about in the motivating sequence, step two, stating the problem. The more you talk about the problem and also talk about the prospect, the more interested they are. Remember, the prospect is interested in himself, his troubles, his needs, his concerns, and not so much your product. So if you start off by t- talking about what the prospect cares about, and then as you go on, link it to your product, you're going to be much more successful and your copy will be much more engaging. You mentioned in your book a term called false logic. So what is false logic and how does that help in copywriting? False logic is writing copy that convinces the prospect that your product is superior even though in reality it doesn't mean that. I'll give you a great example. Um, do you have uh, where you are McDonald's? Yeah, we do. Yeah, so McDonald's for many years, their advertising slogan was more than they would have on the McDonald's, uh, at least here in uh, the eastern United States. We would drive by a McDonald's and it would say uh, more than six billion sold. They were telling how many hamburgers they sold. And mm-hmm. by, by logic, you would say, well, it, it must be great because look at all the people who bought it. Right. Does, does the fact that something was, was popular mean it's the best? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, rap music is more popular than Beethoven today. Does that mean Eminem is better than Beethoven? You know, you can argue against that. So false logic is, you know, it's, it's similar to when you see a book advertised, New York Times bestseller. Does that mean it's yeah. the, it sounds like, well, it must be a good book. 
but you know, people you can argue have uh, terrible reading taste. I mean, Jackal and Suzanne's books were bestsellers, but they're crappy. So, so the the false logic is something that sounds logical, but you know, if you dig into it and examine it, it falls apart and it's not necessarily true. But people don't dig into it; they just hear it and they accept it. So what is it about human nature, Bob, that just accepts what they're told? People are usually so sceptical when reading copy, but when it comes to things like that, they just accept it without questioning it. Very, very simple. People are lazy and they don't like to think. My final question for you, Bob, is there's something you mentioned in the book called the BDF formula. So what is that and how does that apply to copywriting? Well, we talked about Sam Sinclair Baker, who liked to get inside the head of his reader by posting up pictures. And this is another way to do it. It's a formula for getting into your reader's shoes and really understanding their mindset. If you're writing for an audience, you want to ask yourself three questions, which are, which are uh, BDF. B is beliefs. What do they believe? So, for example, people who are uh, investors in precious metals. They believe that uh, paper currency is going to fail. They, they are against big government. They are not, uh, not convinced that uh, economic recovery will happen anytime soon. They see doom and gloom in the economy. So that's a belief. Mm-hmm. Then D is desire. What do these investors want? Well, on the surface, what they want is you know, gold to go from uh, $1,800 an ounce to $2,500 an ounce. So that's one thing they really want to do. But they also want to protect their wealth. They want to know that if, you know, if, if Armageddon comes and paper money becomes worthless, they have something to trade. So those are the desires. The F is for feeling. What do they feel? Uh, they might feel superior that they're smart enough to have a large portion of their assets in precious metals. They might feel uh, afraid of... Uh, having the wealth confiscated by the government or in a, in a time of uh, crisis uh, by, other, you know, by other people, which is why a lot of people, you know, for example, who buy precious metals keep uh, buckets of, and I've seen this, keep uh, buckets of silver coins you know, under the bathroom sink because they don't want people to know where their stuff is. So, so the, their feeling is one of, of fear. So it's beliefs desires and feelings. And if you know those three things about your prospect, you have a pretty good understanding of how they think, which can in turn help you write copy that they respond to in a positive basis. If you're not 100% sure what the beliefs, desires and feelings of the people you're writing to are, let's just say that for whatever reason, you're writing to a new market. How do we get to know? Is it all in the market research? And do you do surveys or things like that? I say no. A lot of people say yes to what you said. They say, do market research, do surveys. And I don't say any, either of those things are not helpful, but there's a, a, a quicker, uh, easier shortcut. It's get yourself on mailing lists, online and offline, and read the most successful promotions. You know that the most successful promotion in, in, your, in this field that's reaching this kind of audience. And you know that if they're repeated over and over, that they're successful. And what you read in those promotions that you know are successful means those particular appeals are working to this audience right now. Do you recommend building up a swipe file of the best stuff, Bob? I totally do. Uh, and uh, swipe file is, is 
is great because you know it, it fills you with ideas that you can use. And there's two ways to use a swipe file. One is you build up a swipe file of copy in a particular industry, and when you have to write an ad in that industry, you know what other people are doing. It helps you avoid doing something that's already been done, especially if what was done was not successful. So uh, the other way is to is to have a swipe file and then look in swipe files uh, for ideas that can be used in a different industry, cross-industry. And I've done that many times where I've seen a, a headline you know, in electronics or something, and I, you know, I, I adapted it to pharmaceuticals, and it worked very well. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. Uh, I did something that was, uh, there's an old classic headline called the Who Else Formula. Who else wants to do X, Y, Z? And you've seen that many times. So I did one, Who Else Wants to Be uh, a Million Dollar Consultant? And it worked very well. Bob, your book has a lot more to offer. We've been on here for about half an hour now, and it's been absolutely amazing. But your book has even more. Could you let us know a little bit more about your book? And also, where can we go to find out more about you? Do you have products, newsletter, anything like that at all? There's three websites I would give. The first, of course, everyone knows which is Amazon.com. And if you search the Copywriter's Handbook, you'll, you'll go right to the page where you can read about and buy that book. Sure. The second is my central or main website, www.bly.com, which not only tells you a lot about me, but has a library of dozens of articles on these topics that you can read for free. The third one is a is a portal site we did called CTC, Charles Thomas Charles, ctcpublishing.net, N-E-T, and this lists all the products that I have. When people go to Amazon, Bob, when they type in your name, are they going to find the other books that you've done as well? If they type it, you can find my other books in two ways. Go to Amazon.com and type in Robert, but you have to put my middle initial because there's another Robert Bly. Type in Robert W. Bly and you'll find my books. Or even better, go to bly.com, www.bly.com, go to the menu bar on the bottom of the page and click on books, and you'll see all my books uh, with uh, titles and pictures of the cover. And then if you want to buy any, you click on it, and it just links to Amazon. Brilliant. Well, that's the end of today's show. As always, I really appreciate you tuning in. Bob, thank you very much for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. The Online Marketing Show, every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. 